Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Why don't you turn with me to the book of Luke. The book of Luke and you can go all the way to chapter 24. If you are part of Cornerstone Church, you know that over the last several months, we have been journeying through the book of Luke, and we are almost to the end. And starting in Luke 24 and chapter 33, it says, And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, And those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. Come on, somebody say that today. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had appeared and had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Jesus, I thank you for what you're about to do today. I thank you for the word that you have spoken to me, and I thank you that you are a God who walks with us and journeys with us. In your name, amen. So these are some of Jesus' disciples who have just found out that he, in fact, has risen just like He said, they're not a part of the three that are Jesus' closest inner circle, and they're not a part of the 12 who are now the 11 who traveled everywhere and whose names you hear often, but they're part of the larger group of Jesus' disciples. And they've had a week and a half. They have gone over the last seven days from hearing shouts of Hosanna cried to a temple cleansing to Jesus being betrayed by one of his followers to everyone scattering to Jesus being beaten and broken. They went to Pilate and back to Herod and then back to Pilate again. And then there was a crucifixion and then no one could be found. And then he was buried in a tomb and now it's already into the third day and they find themselves wondering how they got themselves here. They find themselves in a place where the last week has caused them to question everything that they thought that they knew, everything that they thought that they were walking with and walking towards and believing for. I don't know if you've ever gone through a week that made you question your entire life, But over the last week, they are re-evaluating everything. The last 10 decisions that they made, what they've been doing for the last three years, wondering if they have wasted their time and wasted their energy and wasted their efforts. They have no idea how they've gotten themselves to this place. So they decide to go for a walk. They decide to go for a walk and for a talk together. And I can promise you that there are some walks that have saved my sanity in my life. There are some times where a little walk down the road with a friend is all you need to get you back on track. And so these two go for a walk on a road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Let's look at it together, starting in verse 13 of the same chapter. It says, And on that very day, the two of them 
were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're going for a long walk. And they were talking with each other and all of these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. These two have found themselves on a walk because they don't know what else to do. And it tells me that in this moment of uncertainty and this moment of unclarity, that who you process with and the fact that you process and how you process what you have gone through matters. That there is something about taking time to process all that they have just gone through, all that has transpired in their lives over the last three years and over the last seven days and over the last 48 hours. It matters that they take a moment to process. And I think that we must learn how to process. We must learn how to process the things that we find ourselves going through and the things that we find ourselves. It's our reaction often to just move forward. Several years ago, Phil and I had this dog. And this was a dog. It was the dog that we had when we didn't have any kids. So there's a dog that you have when you don't have any kids. And there's a dog that you have if you have kids. And the way that you love and you care and you admire the dog that you have when you don't have any kids is very different from the dog that you have when you have kids. The dog when you have kids is like, oh, you want food too? The dog that you have when you don't have any kids is like, we bought it matching Christmas pajamas to go along with us. It got its own Easter basket today. That's the dog that you have when you don't have it. That's the dog that we had. And we were on a trip one time, and we were away. Someone else was at our home watching our dog for us, and the dog got hit by a car. I know. It was horrible. It was very traumatic. So we come home from our trip, and we're, you know, realizing the reality of our new life without our dog. And I say to Phil, I've been looking at some dog breeds, and I think we should get a new dog. And he says to me, in all wisdom, I think we should take a minute and we should process this. And I was like, your thing probably makes more sense than my thing. Fine. And so we took a minute and maybe it's just a pet, right? But how often do we do that in every area of our life? We finish books and we just move on to the next book without taking time to actually process and apply the information. And the, like I see people who are like, I'm reading 52 books in a year and that's awesome. But have you processed it? Have you done anything with it? Have you begun to apply it in your life? And we just move on from one book to the next, from one job to the next, from one relationship to the next, from one bed to the next, from one home to the next, from one church to the next. We just jump from thing to thing, from place to place without taking a minute to pause and to process. What just happened? What did I just go through? And these guys take a minute to process on a walk what's going on. And it's funny because some of the translations actually say they were walking and arguing about the things that they had gone through. 
They were arguing about what was going on and it tells me that there's a way that you can process and that there's a way that you can argue that begins to draw Jesus into the situation. That it matters how you process and it matters who you process with. You can't just process what you're going through and what you've been through and what you're trying to make sense of with just anybody. We spend so much time processing the things in our life with people who look like us and think like us and have only ever achieved as much as us and we wonder why we're not moving anywhere forward because we've created an environment where as we begin to process, they just echo back to us how great we are and how smart we are and how nobody understands it like you understand understand it and they shouldn't have done you like that anyway and we don't move forward because we've created an environment where everyone we're processing with is just feeding us what we want to hear because we're afraid to come into the place of disagreement and argument but there is a way that you can process with the right person that leads you into the type of argument that draws Jesus hear me married couples there is a way that you can argue that draws Jesus into your discussion and draws Jesus into your processing and draws Jesus into your argument and these two boys find themselves on a road unclear and uncertain arguing and processing what it is they've been through and there's something about the way that they're doing it that before they know it they find Jesus walking alongside them they drew Jesus into the situation. And then in verse 16, it goes on and it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Like, where you been, Jesus? And he's like, dead, but. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and in word before God and all of the peoples, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. When Jesus asks him, tell me about what has been going on, Cleopas says, we had hoped that he would be the one. We had hoped that he was the one to save us. We had hoped that he was going to be our deliverer. Cleopas, if you would have asked him four days ago, would have said, I have hope. But something has changed in his life from what he was living in four days ago to what he's living in now. And he no longer is a person who would say to you, I have hope. But he's a person who says, I had hope. His hope has left him. Like a cup that's been poured out, he has set 
down his hope because everything that he has been walking through has been far more gruesome than he ever thought that it would be. And it has been far more complicated and far more confusing than a place that he thought he would find himself in. And so Cleopas no longer has hope. Hope is just a memory of something that he used to have. It's just a memory of something that he once knew something about. He can remember what it was like to have had hope, but he no longer has it. He no longer obtains it. He no longer possesses it. It's just something that he used to know about. He had hope because he walked into this week thinking that this was the week that maybe he was going to get that letter that was going to let him know he had been accepted. Maybe this was that week that that relationship was going to be restored. Maybe this was the time he was finally going to be able to get ahead. Maybe this was the year that he was going to make sense of it all. But now it's four months into the year and nothing seems like it's shifting and nothing seems like it's changing and nothing seems to be moving or adjusting around him. And so Cleopas finds himself in a place where he says, I no longer have that feeling that warms me on the inside. And I no longer have the feeling that causes me to dream about tomorrow. And I no longer have the feeling that wakes me with light and fills my face with vibrancy. I no longer have that feeling that wells up on the inside of me. I set all of that down because this is not what I thought it was going to look like. And this has brought me to a, my hope has left me and my hope has failed me. And my hope is now sitting over there on the other side of the last couple of days because I no longer have hope. I just, I had hope. But he keeps walking despite the fact that he can't find his hope. And despite the fact that he's not sure what's going on, and despite the fact that it seems like all hope is lost, Cleopas can't quit. And he keeps walking. And it keeps taking one step at a time. And there's something to be said that even when it feels like hope has escaped you, and even when it feels like hope is outside of your fingertips, that you can, I can keep walking with you if you've lost your hope. I can't keep walking with you if you sit down and if you quit. In the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of not knowing what's going on, you have to find a way to just keep walking, to just keep taking one step after the other step, to just keep putting one foot in front of the other foot, to just keep telling yourself, just give it one more day, just give it one more try, just give it one more chance. If you just don't hope, just don't quit in the midst of losing your hope, because what Cleopas is getting ready to find out is that he's getting ready to get his hope back that his hope is walking right there beside him, that his hope is talking in his ear, that his hope is whispering to him, but he just doesn't know it yet, and he just doesn't see it yet, and he just doesn't understand it yet. Oh, but because Cleopas wouldn't quit, he's about to get his hope back. And he keeps explaining it to Jesus. He says, moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us because they were at the tomb early in the morning. I don't know if he's amazed about what they said or that they were there early, but they amazed him 
because they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of an angel who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. And he said to them, Jesus cannot take it anymore. He says to them, oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them all of the things in the scripture concerning himself. Jesus has been walking with them and he has been listening to them process this thing that they have gone through. And he has been listening to all that they have been trying to grapple with and understand. And while he's listening to them, he is getting ready to reconstruct for them the faith that they have, the belief that they have. They think that they've lost it, but he's telling them, you haven't lost it. I'm just getting ready to put it back together for you and put it back together for you better than you even had it in the first place. See, over the last several years, these boys have been tearing apart the faith and the religion that they were brought up with. They found themselves unsatisfied with the religion of their youth, but they also found themselves unable and unwilling to let it go. And now they find themselves in a place where they have the scattered pieces of their belief sitting around them, laying around them, and they're not quite sure what to do with it. Because you can't put it back together without Jesus. And so, Jesus begins to reconstruct for them the faith that they have. And starting all the way in Genesis, in the books of Moses, he begins to lay out for them as they walk the second half of this journey, one step at a time. He tells them how he is the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent. And he explains to them how he was the ram caught in the bush that saved Isaac. And he lays out for them how he was Joseph, the brother cast aside and accused of crimes he never committed. He shows them how he is Moses the deliverer and Joshua the one that brings them into the promised land. He explains to them how he is Ruth's kinsman redeemer and he tells them how he's every song that David ever wrote and every piece of wisdom that Solomon ever understood. He explains to them how he is the faithful husband in the book of Hosea and he begins to unpackage for them how he is the one in Jonah, the one cast into the sea and the one swallowed by the beast of death and of destruction but the beast couldn't hold him and it couldn't have him it had to reject him and spit him out and he had to come out and he he lays it all out for them and he says let me show you let me reconstruct for you this picture that I am the one I am the one that you have been reading about and I am the one you have been learning about and I am the one that you have been studying I am the very resurrection and the light don't you see how every person prophetic word that has been spoken for generation on generation that I am that 
fulfillment. And he lays it all out for them just as they get to the end of the road. But even at the end of the road, it's not quite enough because you can't just know him in your mind. And you can't just study who he is. And it says that they get to the end and Jesus starts to go on. Except where they invite him to stay. They invited him because Jesus will walk with you. But if you want him to stay with you, you have to invite him. And there are some people who Jesus has been walking with you and he has been explaining to you and he has been bringing understanding to you, but you haven't yet invited him to stay. And today's about to be your day to invite him to stay with you. And when they invited him to stay, it says that they sat down for a meal. And when they sat down for a meal, he took the bread and he broke it. And when he broke the bread, it's the symbolic start of the meal that they were getting ready to have. And the meal is the place of intimacy with him. And the meal is the place where heart to heart and soul to soul, they would connect at the table and all of the things that they knew and all of the things that they understood and all of the things that they thought they had been studying about him. When he snapped that bread, it dropped from their head into their heart and it dropped from their minds into their soul. And it says their eyes were open and they knew that it was Jesus when he snapped that bread and they were snapped back to the last time that they had sat at a table with him that they had communed with him that he had seen them and that they had known them and suddenly they knew this is Jesus and it's the end of the third day they thought that he was late and they thought that he'd taken too long. They thought that they'd missed it and they thought that their hope was set down. They thought that there wasn't any hope left and they thought that there was nothing left that they could do, but they found out that for most of the time they had been walking with Jesus anyway that he had been walking along the road with them, coming into that place with them, leading them to a place where they would see him and where they would know him. He was never late. He was just walking them into this moment. And just like that, Jesus says, I'm here with you. I'm here in this moment. It's what he does is he goes out and he finds his people who are looking, who are searching, who are seeking, and he calls them back unto him. I'm telling you, he is calling you home to him today.